Welcome to When I Was a Girl, where we honor the stories of survivors. Today's podcast is part two of a two-part interview with Davian Tucker. Listen to the previous episode for part one of her story. Davian may be described as a firebrand, a leader, public speaker, an influencer in her own right. Her story highlights the power of forgiveness and choosing to remain present in the face of trauma from abuse as a child. Listen as we dive into part two of her story. In terms of getting into a little bit more about how all of this um, later on, uh, well, one, what was that turning point for you as you um, made your way into adulthood? Um, and, and how would you say the trauma affected you in adulthood? I, I went through a lot of moments that characteristically I knew that wasn't of myself. It was like I was seeing myself like unraveling and doing things that I knew I wasn't supposed to be doing. Seeking attention in places I should not seek attention. Um, things that didn't, from I knew myself, I knew myself. I was always very self-aware. I did not follow it half the time, but I knew myself. So just growing through those moments, especially in community college you now, which is like sixth form, mm -hmm. where now I'm very aware of um, what happened to me and what was happening to me, the changes that I was going through, you know, physically, psychologically, and all of that. Um, so I, I was going through a lot of moments of like outer body experiences. Davian doing these things that are not characteristic of Davian. Um, there were little things that showed me that this was manifesting the issues of before. I remember I had a friend, I knew him from grade one and I liked him. And he tried to kiss me and I ran away. Mm -hmm. And he didn't understand why. And it was just the more I had these experiences with um, other boys, like I would like a guy. And then it's just like, oh, no, this is no, I can't do this. Th that severe feeling of fear and needing to to be in control. And so by, as a result of that, running away from mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. um, so there, I can't say there is any one thing that it's all an it's all an accumulation of moments and changes at different points that ultimately affected how I um, started navigating adulthood. I, when I left Brownstone, that was the first major turning point. I was out of this space that all these things happened right. mm -hmm. I felt like going to UWE was like my chance of a new start so I, I I made a decision to start volunteering again to make an a concerted effort not to allow the opinions of other people to 
define anything I do because I had already chosen to go against my natural state of being and it was horrible. So since I chose that way and that didn't work out, then might as well I just choose my damn self <laughs> and um, start focusing on what resonates with me and what makes me feel good. And so in my first year at UA, I started pursuing a lot of social things. I got very close to the guild president, who is like the major student leader at that institution. Mm -hmm. um, I was traveling the island And he later her, became the guild president. And I later became the guild president, mm -hmm. I, which I had never even planned to do. Uh, so I was getting involved a lot, but I had chosen a degree program based on what everybody else told me to do in the sciences. And I never wanted to do that. I was never... Um, interested in bi biology, chemistry, or any of those <laughs> subjects. I did them because they were suggested to me, and I went into university with that guidance. Mm -hmm. And that whole first year was awful. I developed an anxiety disorder. I was hospitalized twice for anxiety, and I didn't know it was anxiety. I People thought, literally, I thought I was having seizures, how badly it played out. I wasn't able, I couldn't speak. Um, my limbs literally would be twisting and bending like I was having oh, wow. a seizure. Um, and I couldn't, I lost complete control of my body on multiple occasions. And it, it unraveled to a point where I remember the last time I went to the hospital, they did blood tests and the doctor said to me, you're not, your brain is physiologically fine. I had also done a CT scan, right? Like a few months before that. And the results were fine. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that's the timeline. Anyway, the doctor did the blood test and said, listen, no, you're, you're actually fine, you know, but there's something in your blood that's showing that you are extremely anxious. And that's when they diagnosed me with an anxiety disorder, a generalized mm -hmm. anxiety disorder. And um, they, um, it was at UE hospital. So they told me to see a psychiatrist. And that's when I was just like, okay, no, this is not, I'm not fine. I've been involved and doing all these things, but Davian is not okay. I'm literally on Valium. I was on like antidepressants or antipsychotics, whatever it was at the time. You were or weren't? I was. Okay. I was. Mm. Um, and then I remember like just collapsing in public spaces into a whole attack of panic. Wow. And so when the doctor said, you know, this is it, listen, you need to get help. Yeah. I remember going to a psychiatrist. And she said, you have a conversion disorder. What's happening in your psychology, what's happening in your brain is playing out physiologically. So it feels like you're sick. It feels like you're having like epileptic um, episodes, but you're not. You are physically fine. Psychologically, you're not okay. Um, and at the time, I couldn't do counseling as much. I did one session and after that, I was like, hell no. If this is coming from my mind, if this is coming from my mind, I need to be able to control it. And at yeah. the time, and I think there's a lot of divine um, moments throughout my journey. Mm. At the time, I had chosen to do some psych courses along with the science courses I was doing because I was like, I have no interest in the sciences, but I have to be here for the rest of this year. So let me at least do something I'm interested in. And mm -hmm. that's when I started learning about mental health and mental illnesses mm. and um the biological aspect of mental illness plus the social aspect right. plus the psychological aspect and i started to then review different myself. variables 
I started to to think now in retrospect as to all that happened to me. And then real tipping point was I so a part of being involved with you, I had to go in summer, going um for their orientation program. And I remember there was a girl and the person who was re- responsible for the dorms came to me and said, she was talking, just generally talking, and she said, you know, we were in a space and we we're talking about sex came up. And the girl, she got up and she left the room. And as she said that to me, I knew exactly where it was going. And I said, she got up and left the room when you guys started talking about sex. And she said, yes. This is university level orientation. I said, all right. I didn't say anything to her. I saw her in the big group one day and I just went and I said, are you okay? She had her head down. I said, are you okay? And she said, yeah. I said, okay. I just left it there. I didn't say anything else to the girl. And one night I was in my room and she opens my door and just comes and sits in my chair. I'm like, okay. You know, Davian, I'm very open and it's fine. So I'm like, hey, are you okay? What's going on? She said, I want to talk. And I said, what happened? And I said, you got to out of the room. I heard you got to out of the room when this conversation was happening. What's going on? And man, she started to tell me her story. She mm. was sexually abused for a long time by her mom's boyfriend, who was also a teacher at her school. And wow. I mean, it was intense. And her family was not the most supportive at all. They knew? It was terrible. It ended eventually. up coming out eventually. Mm. It was terrible. She And the man was still like stalking her. Okay. And it was just awful. And I thought to so myself, sorry. hell. I said, why, why did she choose to come into my room? Come tell me this. And I said, you know what, though, you're not the only one because I have actually been there. It's not as bad as yours, in my opinion. And that was the moment I realized that, you know what, there is purpose to a lot of this pain. There Mm. is so much purpose in it because this child just walks into my room without knowing my story. Yeah. And that's not anything coincidental. And she literally liberated me in that moment. I always said she liberated me in that moment because she showed me that there was something I needed to do. I had always been outspoken. I'd never been afraid to speak about any topic as a child. Nothing, nothing scared me. Um, And for a long time, I became afraid, which was not of me, um, because of external factors. And this child just fully just pulled me in. I want, to, I want to jump on that real quick just to say um, my, my whole interest in this area as well mirrors what you just said in terms of the power of somebody coming and sharing with you. Because before I decided to chart this course to really be an advocate, uh, a voice for those who haven't found theirs yet, mm-hmm. um, someone messaged me on Facebook after seeing me on TV in a TV show. Uh, playing the role of of a journalist dealing with a rape case. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, I had absolutely no clue how to help this person at the time. I, I was lost. I, I, was, I, I felt deeply mm-hmm. what she shared with me. She was raped. She had been raped for several years as well by a family member. And um, I keep telling that girl that, that she played such a huge, plays such a huge role in my life. She's, I can't even say just that she's mm-hmm. a girl. She's my friend. She's my sister. Mm-hmm. She's, she's, you know, so dear to me. Uh, because at the end of the day, that's, that's really what is, is the, the, 
defining moment for a lot of us. It's hearing, hearing these stories and identifying. So Davian, how has all the trauma affected you in adulthood specifically? And what has coping looked like for you? Um, one, it affected how I navigated relationships, both friendships, um, intimate relationships, um, how I, I had a serious sort of emanating fear of men and that limited my contact with them in a certain way. Um, I had to always be in full control of the situation. Um, I had to let you know when you could see me. I had to do this. I had to do that. It's mm -hmm. very transactional almost. Um, and I also allowed myself to engage in certain activities I just should not have, essentially. I'm not saying I should not because I'm part of the journey. Mm. But activities that typically could cause some sort of hurt for me um, and create pain for me. So it definitely affected tremendously my relationships. I still had that low level of confidence. Like I seemed onto the external um, that I seemed to be very upbeat, very self-aware. This girl knows what she's doing, has all this direction. Um, and from if you've been listening to my story, you'll see that I always give my best yeah. to things. But on the inside, certainly I had my many battles um, with feeling enough um, and feeling like I could make decisions for myself. Um, like I was actually in control, even though I was trying to control everything, but actually feeling like I was in control, um, not overdoing it because I, I didn't um, see it that way. Mm -hmm. I I moved between em extreme emotions. So I would go from being calm and quiet and supportive and to extremely angry, sometimes almost volatile, not hurt anybody, but just like on a, my own rampage. Um, and like just sinking myself into just chaos mm. um, in those moments. And then it would completely flip right back. And then the explanation at the time was, oh, I'm a Gemini. So we're like, you know, like two different people in one body almost. But it wasn't that um, we'll get there as to what it really was. And finally, I would say it played out physiologically, not as anxiety anymore, but as two chronic illnesses. Um, I was diagnosed with secondary fibromyalgia, which is one of those weird um ghost-like diseases where they can't really explain where it comes from or why it happens right. um and it's a chronic pain disease so i feel pain in every part of my body because it's a nervous system issue um so clearly wherever there are nerves you can feel pain and that's everywhere so i feel pain in both the upper levels and lower levels of my body 
Um, it's like rheumatoid arthritis, long and short. My joints will swell up um, at random with weather or without any type of strange weather. Um, I get constant migraines. I have this like foggy type of cognitive functioning. It's kind of strange. Um, and just physiologically, it's a, a lot to handle. I get these sharp pains all over my body, almost like really intense mosquito bites. And it's just my nerves. They're just firing. Um, mm. and, wow. and it's very strange how it works. Um, I get a lot of numbness just everywhere. Um, it's almost like having a really bad flu all the time. Um, the, fatigue, the fatigue and the pain and yeah. um, all of that. And, and then it's severe pain. It is all severe the time. pain. I can't even describe it. It is severe pain. I was on morphine. I, I've been on the heaviest type of drugs you can think about. Fentanyl, which is like pharmaceutical heroin. I was on that for months. And then weaned myself oh. off that into morphine. And it was just a old, which is why my memory is not good now. So even telling my story is more difficult than it used to be because. I'm not consistently thinking about these things anymore, which is, I guess, where we talk about the coping. So it's just really not easy to remember. Yeah. Um, and I have a reproductive disease, which is really not surprising because I was raped at some point, and then that trauma builds inside you. Um, it's called, yeah, so it's called endometriosis. I have stage three of stage four. And uh, when I went into surgery for that, the surgery was supposed to be like an hour and a half. The surgery was three and a half hours. They wanted to keep me overnight, um, but where the hospital I did it in, my doctor just was like, no, we will have to go home and we'll manage it from there. I, it was an intense surgery. Usually women get two cuts, I got four. It oh, was intense. Uh, my doctor, I remember him saying to my mom, cause she got very involved. She, he said, listen, whatever pain that girl was bawling about, I saw it. What I, what I went in and saw, was intense and basically it's the inner lining of the womb growing on the outside and spreading into different places just like how a woman bleeds as a period every month it bleeds inside because it's the same type of cells the blood has nowhere to go so it gets trapped and ultimately morphs into this kind of very sticky web-like tissue and then that then covers wherever it spreads to it covers mm -hmm. that area my womb was shifted out of place it was turned backwards Literally, they had to insert something through the vagina to lift the womb and then clean it off. My ovary was stuck between my womb, which was already stuck down, and my rectum. So I had gone to the hospital, bawling for pain from in the rear. And when they did a, a rectal exam, they felt a mass. They thought it was, they were going off because they thought it was something like cancer. But actually, when we did the surgery, we realized it was over pushing against the, the rectum. rectum. It was all over. And so all of that suffering oh, um, yeah. now that pushed me. a lot. Yeah, man. It's, yeah. A, it's a lot. But let me tell you, this is why I said, my, I have a tattoo on my left arm and it says built to inspire. And really, I genuinely believe now, segueing into coping and where I am now, I genuinely believe that I was built for this. I don't know how I could have really <laughs> managed through all of it and still be the way I am now mm. um, without being built for it. Um, 
I believe genuinely that we are all created specifically, specifically designed for our own journeys and everything that unfolds on that journey. Um, so after that young lady had come to my room and, you know, started sharing outside of that, I was volunteering more, doing more things that gave me public platforms and people would hear me speak and I could host. So I was hosting a lot of events at UE. I was being asked to do, um, to appear on panels about a number of, you know, heavy topics, including things like abuse, things like gender equality. And um, just those platforms slowly now got me into that space where I was speaking to more people. And the more I did it, was the more it unfolded. And then I became guild president at UE. And that year I appeared in the media at least 15 different times. I was always speaking about something, always um, involved in some sort of national discussion. And then by extension with a lot of young women and each time I would do a talk and I would share this part of my story, I would get multiple of them coming to me to say, you know, this is the first time I'm going to say it. I've been abused. That wow. kind of release. Yes. So I figure somebody who listens to this now, this is a part of the fact that you're even listening to it. There is a reason to that. Mm -hmm. This is where your healing needs to start. So the more I worked with people, was the more I realized the purpose in it, but more than that, to be able to really have an effect on people. And that's something I've realized now. To be able to make space for people, the pain cannot stay there. It cannot, it cannot live inside you anymore. There comes a point when, if you're gonna speak about it, there has to be a different tone to it. It can't be that you're still suffering. It has to be at so there has to come a point in your process where the wounds become scars. Because from the scars you can tell there is healing. But once the wound is still there, it can be poked, it can be prodded, you're gonna be triggered. So my process of you know, cold people how people always ask, how did you get here? You know. Um there's no one moment. It unfolded just as it should. It was going through all the intensities with anxiety and then learning about psychology. And then at that stage in my life, it was psychology that helped me to understand what was happening in my mind. And then it sort of started to give me a control of that. The more mm -hmm. I started to choose, and this is very important, the moment I, the more I started to choose what resonated with me and doing that and following that was the more I built my confidence. It's a little, little things that added up to <clears throat> being able to now be on stage, to be able to, even before that, be comfortable within myself, within right. this body that everybody had an issue with at a point, be comfortable in my speech, be comfortable in how exactly I was made, which is why I said made for more, uh, because we are designed this way, there's you cannot. It, there's no. It makes no sense to hate what you've uh, what you already have. This is a vehicle. This is what will, will take you everywhere, and and to make it feel like it's not loved. That's how sickness also arises. You know, it's very interesting. But you yeah. have to love what you already have. It's what you already have. You can't change it unless you go into the surgeon. That's really your choice. But then many times people do surgeon, it gets worse. So, yeah, at least, and it doesn't change the underlying issue. You can always change the physical, 
fine you can always leave a certain space but you cannot escape what's happening in your mind you cannot escape what's happening in your spirit and that is the root of it so yeah it was psychology at a point that i was learning about and all these various things but i would say that most of all what has helped is healing and what that means is making peace with all that happened to me i've forgiven the person who abused me I had mm. to forgive my mother for what I felt like was abandonment. Mm. I had to forgive my father who I felt like didn't defend me, um, didn't allow me to get any, didn't give me any support or that type of thing. I had to forgive all the human beings in my life who I labeled as, or yeah, who hurt me. And then I labeled the whole situation as the various things. They're all human beings and it's a hard thing to say when you are in pain when you are in your ego but at the end of the day my angelo would say she got this quote from a great philosopher called terence and it says i'm a human being nothing human can be alien to me if you i don't know what happened to my cousin as to why he felt like he could manifest something like that. Right. It doesn't negate it. Forgiveness doesn't take away from the fact that it happened. It doesn't Nor does take it justify away. it. It doesn't justify. Right. But what it does is it, it frees you of that, 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 that all of the, the feelings that you carry related to those situations. You have to do it. It shouldn't have happened, but you cannot live your life thinking it shouldn't have, it shouldn't have, because that's mm. living in the past and the past is no longer real. Neither is the future. So when I used to worry about controlling everything and trying to predict all possible outcomes, that was useless, a useless uh, um, channeling of my energy. So I had to one, forgive. That's the first, first and major step. I had to forgive everybody who I felt like wronged me. And that was not an easy process. And it, because also the mind is so used to feeding on that pain, when you start to remove it, it's like literally seeking it. And you now have to just watch your mind and allow the thoughts to come in, they're gonna come, but you don't cling. You don't hold on to every single one. Mm -hmm. Most of your thoughts don't deserve attention because they're not real. They're not true. The past, when we focus on what's happened before, it's not real. It's not happening now. It feels that way because those thoughts are charged with emotions. But then the moment you start to forgive and accept what is, and then now make a concerted effort to move forward. Right, in gratitude. It becomes different. And the truth is you don't have to move. There is no way to label it because somebody mm -hmm. might move in gratitude. Somebody might move in something else. It's just different. But okay. I don't feel like I'm not going to say I won't exactly always use the word. I'm grateful that it happened. It had to happen. Well, when <laughs> I say did. gratitude, I'm not necessarily saying <clears throat> gratitude for the fact that it happened. But mm -hmm. I suppose for so much more that mm. there is to life. Well, to each his own. So yeah. I will say if you move forward in gratitude, that's fine. But yeah. the, mm -hmm. the, the focus has to be now how you're gonna move forward. Um, and you will know that you have healed when you are not triggered. When you can hear a story that may be similar to yours, where you can leave one relationship, enter another and not 
continuing the same pattern of behavior and thinking, that is when you know that you have healed. Because once you've healed, think about wounds and scars. With a wound, it's still open, it's still there, it's still fresh, so you, will, you can feel pain from it. A scar, you can't feel anything from. So now, nothing triggers me. I am absolutely undisturbed most of the time. And that doesn't mean that negativity doesn't enter my space. That doesn't mean that I feel negative ripples on my surface, like my emotional body. Mm -hmm. But I know that my spirit stays the same. I'm either alive or dead. And so once I have life, my life energy, can't, it can't shift. Nobody can take away energy from me. If I decide to expend physical energy on something, that's different. Spiritual energy... It remains unaffected. It's always the same. It's always stable, always peaceful, always loving, always joyful. That's my spirit. And so the moment I feel like something is in my space that could cause me to move through those extreme emotions I used to have or go back into that pattern of behavior I know is not of Davian, I go into my spirit and I feel what's happening in my body. I'm very aware of what's happening, how emotions are playing out. And before they climb into my mind and I start to think compulsively, I catch them. I feel them fully. I feel what I'm feeling. I breathe into it and I let it go. I have a practice I use where I almost, when, when something feels like it's about to hit me, I imagine myself as transparent. And I, do, I started with small things, like just sounds that would probably annoy me or I would label as annoying. I imagine myself as transparent and I let things pass through me. I don't hold on to any thought. I don't hold on to the feelings. I let them pass through me because at the end of the day, this physical body is just that. It's physical. There is something much deeper inside of each of us. And sometimes you feel it when you're in nature and you are just at peace. Mm -hmm. That is your energy connecting with what's external to you that was also made with that same energy. Um, <clears throat> but forgiveness, definitely. Doing things that matter to me, doing things that resonate with me. And, and I forgive each moment. So that major forgiveness of the past now becomes me continuously forgiving in the present. So if me bop me to before me start cause surrender to it, it has already happened. <laughs> Breathe, move on. If somebody comes into my space and they, you know, and I sense something wrong, I let it pass through me. I just breathe into it and follow what I give my attention to. Am I going to label this person or label this situation as negative in however that plays out? Yeah. Or am I going to remove that mental labeling, that judgment, that everything, and just let it be? A lot of the, the pain we suffer is pain we end up causing ourselves. And that's just a fact and it's a hard fact, but it is true. I was raped. Yes. I was bullied. Yes. And I had to go through that process of, of, um, that, that process of seeing it for what it was and then trying to understand why I did all of that. I had to go through that. And so if you're going through that, that's fine. 
But there comes a point when you realize that that labeling of those situations is ultimately you carrying them inside you. You then creating more pain for yourself. How it plays out in my relationships is me creating more pain for me and other people from pain past. And so mm. I've just recognized, I, I don't, I try not to label things anymore um, because the truth is, and people also change. So I don't know what's going on with my cousin anymore. I don't know what's going on with anybody in that way, but I hope that they've changed. I, I wish them all the best um, because at the end of the day, like I said, nothing human is alien to me. I don't know. You don't know what you're capable of given the right circumstances. Mm -hmm. People can easily say, Oh, that, oh, that boy did that. Oh, I'm, do, you know, oh, I'm raped the girl. Oh, I'm, mm -hmm. oh, this person killed them girlfriend. You know, all that. Fact. How? We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. And so at the end of the day, we have to still give people room to be. Um, and I, I, what I've, I've come to learn as an adult is just, the fact that all we have is the present moment and living in our minds, which feeds on past and future projection is taking away from the quality that we could give to ourselves and the quality we could give to other people right here and now. There is never a time when your life is not now. Whatever will happen in the future will happen, will present itself in the present the future doesn't manifest in the future it happens now if you understand what i'm saying it happens now so next year today is what what date is today march 12. yes right. next year march 12th <laughs> will be in the now on next year march 12th it's always the present moment it's never the past or the future all we have is now what's in front of us and, and, and the truth is, it's our choice to, to, to be how we want to be. So despite all the pain that I've suffered, despite all the pain you've suffered, it's now gone, unless you are still suffering in this moment. And I feel like if I say to you, what problem do you have right now? You would not be able to tell me one in this moment which means that it is the past and the future that ultimately is causing the issue. So, hmm. present, I have to stay present and not, the only time my mind can drift, drift is when I'm not present, when I'm not here, when I am somewhere else. So I have to know, make sure that after all that forgiving and stuff, I maintain that, I, I meditate most days start my days with meditation and my days with meditation I stay present in each moment because really it doesn't matter how long you can close your eyes for it really matters how you choose to operate in each moment especially as you interact with other people mm -hmm. so I have to stay present in each moment uh, being aware of what I'm feeling watching my mind not being my mind not clinging mm -hmm. to everything that comes here but watching it and allowing the things to unfold. And that's also how you can catch opportunity because you may have this feeling that arises to do something, 
but then you get so caught up in your head it's like you're trying to rationalize it or you try to make sense of it and some things just aren't like that and you miss that opportunity to do something that probably could be very powerful so presence is really for me um, the most important and, and potent thing um, and with presence I can forgive each moment and surrender and I can tell you um, what what got me to that point finally I was in a really bad relationship my last relationship was terrible um, absolutely terrible and then ultimately after forgiving all those human beings in the past I had to forgive this one and it was mm. that was the hardest because I felt like that person was worse than my abuser my initial one and that was not an easy place to be um, wow. and that's why I was sick and all sort of stuff just I felt like emotionally that person almost ruined me but then I learned that nobody can ruin me my spirit yeah. is it will always be the same and and that there's a kind of radiance in each of us that's always there sometimes the stuff just covers it but it's there ready and waiting for reconnection with who you are who and who you are is who you feel like th 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 those deep feelings you have that is who you are you don't need to look for it there's nothing external to you that can tell you who you are who you mm -hmm. are doesn't even need to be defined go with how you feel and so after going through that that was the tipping point ultimately guys yes this is ultimately the tipping point of that that um trauma because ever i can't tell you everything in my childhood played out every single thing you mean in this relationship in this relationship the violence some of the violence i saw as a child between my stepfather and my mother which i didn't speak about but i don't need to go into that um that played out this rage and anger that i felt from from a tour from i am a knee came out and it was just like they, this this is not the ultimate example of david not being herself this is not me that i don't say these things to people i don't do these things to people i started to get a hold of myself and ultimately divinely i did mm -hmm. and so now as i said forgive each moment surrender and I, so i said that because now like people will say to me are you sure you want to get back in a relationship you sure there's nothing to trigger me nothing i i can guarantee anybody who enters a relationship with me they're entering a relationship with somebody who is now enlightened and by enlightenment i mean i accept all things as they are all people as they are i forgive each moment i practice to surrender without and and surrender doesn't mean defeat that are only in a war and nobody not fight no warrior so so with that surrender i i just mean um that instead of labeling something as negative instead of reacting i i am proactive so mm -hmm. i see it as it is i know i don't have the full picture ever accept that and then i make my steps and i don't need discomfort anymore to drive me to do something i do it because i know i have to do it i know that this is my duty to the world this is my duty to another person and i don't create pain for myself or anybody I, I have no I have no pain to create from. Pain can only feed on pain. Pain cannot feed on joy. It finds it indigestible. Learn mm. that from a book. Um, I like that. Yeah, Eckhart Tolle, a book called The Power of Now. And it's that book that 
guides me. That is like my spiritual teaching, being in the know. Um, So I think that would be what I'd want everybody to take away from this. Healing does not happen tomorrow. You may never live to see tomorrow. You may never live to see the next five minutes. Hmm? So the healing has to start now. It doesn't mean that everything goes away. No, it means you start. So you start to forgive yourself first, who is always the hardest person to forgive. Hmm. Then you start to forgive everybody else. Yeah. And understand that it's not, it's not your fault. It's not you. People are operating out of their pain when they hurt you. And so you can know, you know, you can't continue that cycle. It's now on you to end that mm-hmm. by healing yourself. Turn your wounds into scars and just let love, peace, and joy flow from that. But it's every day. You have to get up every day, being present and aware that this is what I'm going to do. This is who I am. And I'm going with that. Nobody can take your energy away from you. Nobody. So it's important that you always remember that. It's like, finally, it's like it's, you're like a lake. At, on the surface of the lake, seasons change, things fluctuate, the surface moves. But as you go deeper into the lake, at the depth of it, it is always undisturbed. Nothing that's happening on the surface of the lake moves the bottom of it. And so you are the whole lake, not just the surface of it, not just this physical body that, you know, has endured abuse or, you know, will be hit by all these things. No, you are whole. You are life energy. You are light. You are, the depth of you is always stable. And so each time anything happens on the surface, on, on the surface of the lake, on the surface of you, mm-hmm. go into that depth. Remember and feel most of all that depth, undisturbed, always. Davian, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, even that picture that you've left us with, uh, I really think that has set the tone essentially for um, for the space and the community that we're trying to create with, with the When I Was a Girl podcast. Um, I love how the Bible puts it that God turns, he, he brings beauty from our ashes. Mm-hmm. And essentially, I do believe that you embody that, you know, this beauty absolutely stunning woman that you are but mm-hmm. also the wealth of beauty that emanates from within you it's um it's yours and mm-hmm. girl no matter what happened to you mm-hmm. it's not going nowhere mm-hmm. clearly it's not <laughs> sure it, man. evidently even but, if you feel like it's you know, being covered it's never it goes anywhere it just can't be and so we we can't thank you enough for coming here i mean we've heard of a story of i mean a child going through what you described um, having that tension between loving your family member and having to be abused by them at the same time and then feeling victimized by other persons around you. But coming out of that with your challenges, you described all the different um, ways this manifested. Mm-hmm. 
um, the, the emotional battles, um, mentally, the challenges. And of course, we're looking at how it has affected you physiologically as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to underscore for those listening that, that these are real effects of what happens with sexual abuse, with any form of abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, these, these are things that we can't take for granted and we absolutely can't turn a blind eye to. I mean, you've shared what the dynamics are like now between you and your family. And, mm-hmm. and my personal you know, hope is that um, healing continues in that in that vein you know even even for family members and even for relationships with with the family and and specifically about what happened to right. you you I know hope the same I yeah hope the same. I, I think that that is possible yeah you know? and i and as we're staying in that vein of of positivity and um and thinking um um of the the best is yet to come mm-hmm. kind of way of looking at it um i'm absolutely sure that 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 you know there's yeah. hope um and just all of what you've shared in terms of coping as well you know that that i believe um will will carry through not just for persons who have been victimized but for anyone mm. yeah anyone one thing i'd like to say yeah um which i have to remind people of mm-hmm. is just that movement of made for more um yes. And simply what it means is understanding that no matter what external to you, you are uniquely purposed and designed, made for this journey that will unfold into much more than you could ever think about. And that the duty now or the onus is on us to leave this world at least in some sort of a better state than we came to it. That's the more. The more is not about us specifically, but us maneuvering, navigating our journeys in a way that affects the whole, um, healing the whole, creating positivity for the whole as best as possible. And it may be in your small social group or it may be a huge audience, who knows, we never know. But never let anybody cause you to feel like whatever you have is not enough. It was made that way for a specific purpose. Honor that, honor yourself and move in that energy. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Fully, fully agree with that. The When I Was a Girl podcast is a space where the life stories of survivors are shared clearly, truthfully, and with a focus on restoration and hope. For anyone who has experienced abuse, we encourage you to reach out to us here at Girls First International. You can find us at wearegirlsfirst.com or find us on Instagram at girlsfirstja and on Facebook at girlsfirst. Girls First.